Hello, everyone, and welcome to another awesome episode of BU Live. I am your host, Mika J, and I am so excited about tonight's episode. It is all about the art of communication. So with me today, I have the very beautiful and amazing Miss Bridget Locke, who is a communication strategist and also an author, and she is phenomenal. I'm so excited to have her here with me today because we've had several chats and she has jumped into this deep ocean called entrepreneurship. So I wanted to definitely have a conversation with her today to be able to talk with her about her journey in becoming an entrepreneur. And the name of her company is called BNL communications LLC. So Bridget, how are you doing tonight? I am well. I'm so glad to be here with you. I'm so glad to be here. I'm doing just fine. Great. Look, I am getting all of my gadgets and everything together here. (laughs) I'm so excited to have you here with me tonight. And I really wanted to be able to talk about communication because with you being an author and a communication strategist, communication is everything. It's what people say that makes people see them for who they are. And sometimes we underestimate how important communication is and how impactful it is on our life because it's something that we just do all the time, sometimes without thoughts. Absolutely. with talking about that in communication, tell me, how did you get into this world of communication and writing and all of those things? So, I, well, I want to start off by saying it is an honor to be here with you. So thank you for having me. Um, I'm just really excited to, to get to talk with you and, and your audience. Um, communications um, in my beginning. I So to your earlier point, everyone communicates all the time. It's in what you say. It's in how you say it. Sometimes it's in what you don't say. Um, being silent is is a way to communicate. <laughs> Sometimes that speaks volumes. Um, it does. <laughs> but the way that I got into communications from a professional perspective is um, <laughs> when I first went off to college, I wanted to be a writer. And so I chose English as my major. And I was told um, by one of the people who uh, was in place to counsel me that unless I wanted to teach, I should probably change my major. (laughs) So um, I did not want to be an English teacher. I didn't want to teach writing. I wanted to do it in practice. And uh, I think his advice to me was that, well, you can't really bank on that being a moneymaker. So figure out something that will make money. So through a series of uh, changed majors, I landed on um, communications, which for me, it was a way to Um, get the best of both worlds. So it was really writing for business was really my focus. And so as I got into the field, I just learned pretty early on that being a good writer is very important, but it's also to to communicate effectively. It's really important to be a good listener. Um, It's important to make sure you're writing in a way that you're, you're writing and you're communicating in a way that your audience can receive it. So tailoring what you say and how you say it and when you say it and how often you say it, it's really about meeting the audience's needs. So um, that's kind of the, the short version of, of how I got to, to that as a profession. So you mentioned how your selection for college initially would have took you down the path of becoming a teacher. What was your initial major that would have made it go that direction? So I I chose an English major, but I guess there was just the there was a creative writing emphasis. But I think his advice to me was there is no guarantee that you're going to be this super successful writer, you know, vacationing in the Hamptons. (laughs) writing the next bestseller, there's just no guarantee that that's going to happen. So I think in his advice to me, he just wanted to set me up for success. And so so I started as an English major and a music minor because I couldn't decide if I wanted to be a writer or a musician. Um, But then I sat next to a bunch of people who were determined to be musicians. And I realized that while I love 
playing music, I am not as dedicated as they are. So, so I can say you 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 are a minor in music and not tell us what instrument you play. So I started um, well when I started college, I played flute. And so I'd been playing flute since fifth grade, but also I had taken piano lessons when I was really young. And so um, part of the part of the major, but also part of the minor was to take things like music theory. So you had performance with your instrument, but you also had music theory and music fundamentals. So you had to learn to uh, sing what you could play. And it was just, it was eye opening. Um, so did you learn that you could sing or? <laughs> I, I learned that I could perform when I was nervous. I learned that I didn't like to sing in front of people. I already knew that I didn't like to sing in front of people. But when your professor says, OK, I need you, I need for you to sing a minor sixth from this note. And you're trying to hear it in your head. I mean, that was that took a lot of practice and it was nerve wracking and when you're in class with people who are practicing for eight hours a day and you realize I'm trying to kick it on the weekends. I, ju I just don't have that much dedication. I love music, but not as much as you love music. Um, I quickly realized that I, I was not cut out that, for that. So that wasn't it. No, it was the yes. feedback to go a different way was, was <laughs> awesome feedback. <laughs> but it took me a minute. I'll say, I, you know, so I started as an English major, but then my second year, I decided, well, I don't want to go on a path to teaching and I do want to get something that is, I want a degree that's marketable. I want something that will help me land a job after graduation. And so I had been toying with the idea of uh, becoming a psychologist. So I went from an, an English major and music minor to a psychology major. And that's then after- enough. <laughs> Say that again. I'm sorry. That's quite the jump. Quite the jump. That I lasted a year. <laughs> then I switched my major to communications. So, but I've been able to. Well, actually, I was a double major. So I graduated with a degree. Um, I, I was a double major in communications and human development, which that program was rebranded applied psychology. And so I have found that it was helpful because many times being an effective communicator, again, is about understanding your audience's needs. And so that psychology background, I think, has been helpful in becoming a better writer. That's good. That's good. So communication is definitely it's an art. And as we can see, you're artsy from music to writing. <laughs> so when did you realize that you were an artist? So when I was well, my parents, I, I have to give them credit. They've they surrounded us with art. So my my mom and my dad sing. My dad is a great singer. My mom is a great singer. There was always music in our home. Um, we were just surrounded by it. And then my favorite time of day was bedtime because they would always take the time to read to us. They just and I feel like that's a dying practice. But my parents always read. And I just remember listening to those stories, thinking this is magic. Like I, I once, I didn't know what that meant or I didn't know how to articulate it when I was young, but I just wanted to create that thing, that, that feeling for other people. And so I got to be about, must've been about 10 or maybe nine or 10. Um, and we were in my class, we did this section on poetry. And I just remember thinking it was the coolest thing ever. Um, my parents didn't, they read stories, but they didn't really read poems to us. And so I was introduced to poetry and I thought I, I can do that. It's just rhyming words. I love to rhyme. I, I can do that. And so um, I wrote a lot of really, really bad poetry. <laughs> and, but, in you know, I thought it was good then, but in hindsight, you know, in hindsight, it was awful. Uh, but um, I just stuck with it because it just, it did that thing. It just made me feel that thing that I couldn't explain. And so I wrote a lot of bad poems and then I started to write short stories. And then as I got older, I, I just recognized it as the thing that brought me joy. Just that, that 
those flutters, that that magic. And so I started to write short stories. I wrote, I stuck with poetry. I wrote a few poems um, that got a little better, not much. Um, and then I um, wrote a poem or two that got published in an anthology. So I thought, okay, maybe, maybe I know a little something. Um, and then um, it just kind of grew from there. Just, it grew from there. And then I started to share reluctantly. I started to share things that I was writing with people and they, I got good feedback and a lot of encouragement. And I just thought, well, this is something that I'll continue to work at and, and get better with. That's awesome. So look, hidden, look, I, w I don't even know if I would call it a, a talent. I do. I love poetry. I've written poetry since I was a teenager. <laughs> yes. So I have notebooks that I just kind of store away. It's a stress reliever for me. So yes. I do definitely enjoy and my husband and I, we go to like poetry things and every, you know, events. Have you ever done poetry slam? I've always wanted to. I'm it, it's ironic being a communicator. I am much better written than I am spoken. And I could see myself getting on stage and freezing. <laughs> I'm getting booed off the stage. Shake the fear. Sounds like a bucket list item. I think you're right. I think you were right. I need to add it. And then hopefully everyone will snap. Yes, you'll, get, you'll get the snap. Yes. So with that being said, what is one thing you wish you had known when you began your career? I, spent a, I, I think I spent a lot of years trying to fix things that weren't broken. Mm. Um, early in my career, I, and I want to be clear, everyone has to develop. Development is important. To be a, an effective professional, you have to understand your field. There are just basic things that you do to grow as a professional. So I'm not trying to say that I had no room for growth. But there were some things that I just I wasn't really wired for that I kept trying to fix. And then I just realized that's not broken. That's just who I am. So here's an example. Um, the, that or, was my next question was, <laughs> yeah, elaborate so, on that for me. I would find myself in group situations where it was kind of rapid fire. You know, let give me your ideas. Give me your ideas. I, and I'm not wired that way. And I and it created a great deal of anxiety for me because I had this fear about getting a seat at the table, but having nothing to say. And it's not that I had nothing to say, but the way I think I'm pretty analytical. And I didn't understand that about myself at the time. I thought I'm just not quick on my feet. I'm just slow. Everybody got it. And I just didn't get it. But I am one who, so there are people who are very conceptual and they can see the forest really, really well. But if you give me a situation, I immediately drill down into the trees. I had to grow um, my ability to think conceptually, but I am just naturally an analytical person. Um, but I would continually find myself, and sometimes it, it was by choice. I just, I want to sit at the table, so I'm going to be in this room with the people who are thinking fast. And, and so I would walk away and feel deflated. But I just had to learn that that's just not how you think, but there's value in being analytical because all of these concepts that are being tossed around is anyone in the room thinking about how do you execute all of that um and there's value in being the person who can figure out how to execute so i just say all that to say that it took me years to figure out things like well personality tests i'm a really big fan of uh, myers-briggs is one i there's a this online um personality test I think derived from Myers-Briggs, but it's 16 personalities. And I've taken this test probably three or four times. <laughs> and I think that like, well, I can outsmart it, but I always get the same result. <laughs> all, you can't outsmart it. I'm, you know, just at your core, you are who you are. And so having access to those tools has helped me understand that, you know, you can develop as a professional, but you, what's the way you're wired is not, it's not broken. You just need to set yourself up for success in in certain situations. So I just I wish I had given myself permission to 
be who I was because I spent a lot of years really kind of kicking myself, trying to be someone that I, I just wasn't. I absolutely love, love, love that. Um, I recently went on a retreat with this group of ladies that I'm in. And one of the things that we talked about was the art of communication. And there's this book that I love that I use all the time with my clients. And it call, it's called What Color Is Your Brain? So this book is four colors. It is yellow, green, orange, and blue. Okay. And um, it tells you, it, it gives you, of course, a series of questions, but you would definitely be what's considered a green brain person, which is that analytical person. Mm -hmm. It shows you how to communicate with others, how to show yourself mercy because of how you are, but how you function. Because sometimes I think us as individuals, we see the glitz and glam and the wow person on TV and we figure, oh, I have to be that person that's, you know, up front, that's doing this, that's doing that, not realizing that the analytical, that detailed person sometimes is always that person that is connected to that wild person that takes these big dreams and turn them into actual reality. Right. But you know, you have the process person that thinks through the process or the person that's in the decorations and can walk in a room and see a full event come to life in their mind. And it's I think sometimes us as people were so driven to be like others that we negate who we naturally are. And it's yes. it's to the it's to our detriment. And to the detriment of those that need us to authentically be ourselves. I once had someone tell me when you are trying to be someone else, you rob the world of your of you and, and your gift. And I didn't I needed to hear that because I kept thinking I wasn't valuable the way I was, um, which is, you know, that's. I think it comes with maturity and growth. And um, I, and I don't want to present myself as someone who just, I just never loved myself. That's not what I'm trying to say. <laughs> but it is to say that I think when you accept who you are, whose you are, um, and, and, and you understand that there are no mistakes in the way that you're wired, um, it's just very freeing. It's really, really freeing. And it comes with maturity. It it, is. I think yeah. it's a process to discover who you are fully. And even when you think you know who you are, there are things about you that continue to evolve, change and grow. It's right. a day to day process to get out there. Try. I have this thing that I call TSL. Try something, see something, learn something mm -hmm. because never, ever know what you're going to be interested in until you get out there and try it. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Yes, it's like un it's like we're we're our own perfect gift that continues to just unfold and unwrap. So I digress. So <laughs> so you talked about kind of discovering you and how your passion for communication and writing came about. But can you tell us how BNL communications came to be? Absolutely. So I think when I've reached a point in in my maturity where I just accept the things that bring me joy. I just accept that I may never be a skydiver, but I will spend an entire Saturday writing. I and because I know that about myself, I through the years just started to seek out opportunities to volunteer, to offer services to people. I volunteer with my church. Um, I've done that as I've written some things and just I've edited books. I've just always that excites me. So I've made myself available in that way. And people have just come to know it. And so even as I had just a regular nine to five, I um, I, I would have people who were small business owners reach out and say, hey, I, I need your thoughts about this strategy or, you know, could you take a look at this and give it some polish? Um, and I would do it. I, I enjoy that sort of thing. And so as I could feel my season ending in, in a role that I had been in for about almost it been about four years, I could kind of feel that season ending. And I would share with people, you know, I'm looking to do more writing. Um, so I just kind of dip my toe, so to speak. I, I put myself out there. And then I had some people um, just really pour into me. You're one of them. <laughs> um, some people who just said, Hey, you know, I 
really hope that you will someday see what I see, which is that you're ready. And all you have to do is flip that switch and your time is coming. You just have to believe that your time is coming. And so one morning, uh, someone with whom I worked um, at the place where I was still employed, um, she had been there and she had left. She She's an entrepreneur herself. She called me early one morning um, and she was just asking, you know, how I, how I been and what I, what had I been up to? And we were just talking. It was before I was due to leave for work. And so she had a project that she was working on and she wanted to um, get my advice on it. And I said, yeah, happy to do it. And she said, well, I'll pay you. I said, no. I said, just, you know, I will look at your project, but I want to share something with you and we could just advise one another. And so I had already created a website. I didn't quite know what it was going to be, but it had been up for probably six or seven months. I just had, oh I had to share God. it. <laughs> I didn't. Inside, I, I did not know that. Yeah, I, I actually I bought my URL um, last December. In fact, I, I purchased my my domain and um, it had been up and I'd been tweaking it. I just didn't feel like I was ready to launch. And I was just kind of flying under the radar. And so we talked about her project. And um, she said, OK, what now? What do you want to show me? And I'd sent her my URL and she called me. <laughs> she said, what are you waiting for? She just she just that's how she phrased it. What are you waiting for? What uh, do you just need somebody to tell you to jump? And so and I did. And then I think that same week, another uh, really good friend of mine, um, powerhouse business owner, someone um have great respect for for what she does and and the business that she's built. She called me and she said, I, you know, I really want to work with you. I've heard you talk about how you're ready for the next phase and you feel the season is ending and I am pouring into you now. I really want to work with you professionally beyond just encouraging you. And so I kept getting all this validation. It was just all these signs. Um, and things were happening at work and they weren't bad things. It was, you know, when a season is ending and things that just kept validating what you already knew that for me, I felt that what God had already told me was just it's like, here's another sign. Here's another sign. Here's another sign. And I shifted my focus in those signs. For a while, I, I felt like things were making me angry, like I just things that you want to see happen in your career and they're not happening and they're not going the way that you want them to go. But when I shifted my focus and I realized this is not, it's just the end of the season. You don't have to be angry. You just have to be ready. It's just time. And so when I shifted that, everything shifted for me. Mm -hmm. Everything changed because I believed what everyone had been telling me, which was you're really good at what you do and you're ready. You've gotten the experience. You've gotten the education. You continue to be coachable. Um, there's still stuff for you to learn. You will learn it. You're smart enough to learn it, but it's time. We've been saving you a seat. So I said, okay, I, yes, I am going to launch. And, and that's really how it started. So the, the short answer is I had been doing things like copywriting and, and editing and, uh, speech writing and I'd been blogging for myself and um, I'd been doing all those things, um, writing projects, editing books. I'd been doing all of that all along. I just hadn't packaged it for me. And then I just realized, OK, well, now it's time to package it for me. And and so that's how it launched. That is good. I always say that every great business comes from a place of frustration and a place of there being a problem that you're called to solve. Yes. And yes. Is and I think that that is huge that you could recognize that frustration point to finally take the leap. Because something I know God has a way of making us uncomfortable. Yes. He's telling, "Hey, you right there right um, there's you're in the wrong place and as long as you stay there you're keeping someone else out of their place 
So yes. it is it is so rewarding to just <sighs> surrender and just be like, you know what? I'm doing this. Yes. I'm, I'm leaping. I'm leaping. And when I tell you, you guys, I'm so excited because <laughs> when I tell you guys, she is phenomenal, phenomenal writer. And as you can probably hear in her voice and the way that she speaks, she is the ultimate communicator. And I just I love I just love it, love it, love it. So thank you so much. Yes. With that being said, what makes you feel inspired or like your best self? That's a great question and a hard one to answer. Uh, inspired. It's been interesting. I will say, I mean, I, inspiration is is all around if you're smart enough to look for it. But I will say this year, particularly, I have watched so many people get back to basics, really because you know living in the midst of a pandemic and there are things that we life <laughs> we you know i think for so many years we've had almost the the luxury of distraction you know there's so much to do there's so much to keep us busy and distracted um but when all of that gets stripped away there is this need to get back to the things that are really important. And I have really found inspiration in my family. And I and it's it's not that I didn't find it before, but I've found it like never before. Um, just sitting and relating to my my parents and um on my birthday, I'll I'll never forget, like normally in our family, we would um, you know stop by, you drop a card by, you, you know, hug, you, you connect for um, a period of time. And especially if it's like during the week, you just kind of, you know, not every year is a party year. So, you know, you acknowledge the, the birthday and then you go on to the next thing. But my birthday was in May and everyone, um, so my mom and my dad and my sister, and her husband and my nieces, they stopped by my house. So we couldn't hug because, you know, we didn't know if we were all toxic to one another at that point, but they brought these signs. They did a drive-by just to tell me happy birthday. And I wept, like I just could not stop crying because seeing that the, we were all doing everything that we could to maintain those bonds. Um, in the midst of, you know, I've written this often in, in speeches for other people, but trying to stand together when we have to stand six feet apart, that was just so meaningful to me. And so I find that inspiring. I find it inspiring how people are trying to build bridges back to one another and get, get back to simple things. Um, music inspires me. Um, love good music. Um, <laughs> I just continue to be in awe. Um, when I hear people who just do it and do it well. And I love good writing. I just, I love big fancy words and I love people who can simplify concepts by making, you know, breaking it down. So a three-year-old can understand it. I just, I love the art of communication. That's still, um, it just inspires me. Just reading something that's really well done, just, ugh, I still get that thing. It's still magic to me. And then I have to I have to say this the, the one the the there are so many people who inspire me but I have a six month old granddaughter oh. who knows my voice and she knows my face and she's so funny and she's so smart and she's just everything being a grandmother is everything that everybody said it would be so um, I find inspiration in just the thought of of building a legacy and leaving something behind and seeing a generation come behind me that's smarter and and quicker and more savvy and this might be the middle age talking but i i'm inspired by the generations to come i think that it's something that you said that is huge because i find myself using that word quite frequently about legacy because one of the things sometimes we don't think about until, you know, it's, you know, until you really reach that point of it's like, man, what did I do with my life? 
and starting to think about it now is critical because you you have to grasp this concept of what what will be what will you be remembered for right. what is the imprint that you have left on this earth you know there are people that when they leave their names are passed from generation to generation even if that's within your family if it's regionally, nationally, globally. Um, But it's up to each of us to think of what is the legacy that we want to leave. And it's not done overnight. It's second by second, minute by minute, hour by hour, day by day, year by year that we're continuing to build this legacy. But it's so important to think about. And I think your words, your stories will live on. That's that's my prayer. That is truly my prayer. And I will tell you that um, I I think about that all the time. It's so when you think about going back to the art of communication, it's what you say, but it's also what people receive. And I've just learned that people bring their own baggage. They bring their own interpretation. They bring their own understanding sometimes to, to what you convey. And sometimes you can't control that, but knowing that and getting older and making peace with who I am and who I'm not and making peace and extending grace to other people as well. I, you know, I've accepted that I won't be everybody's cup of tea. Okay. <laughs> I'm an acquired taste. I <laughs> right. Right. I ain't for everybody. It is okay. And if okay. you don't like what I am, what I'm serving. Yes. But I've determined in my life that who better to tell my story than me. Mm. So you don't have to, I I feel very comfortable in my own skin at this point. I feel very comfortable telling my own story and being real about all of my shortcomings and they are a mile long, but it's okay. I own them. And I just, so what I want my legacy to be is one of authenticity and transparency. If there's an ugly secret to tell, I'd rather go ahead and tell it. I, you don't have to, you know, no need to whisper. I'll go ahead and tell you. I'll I'll show you flaws and all um, because I want other people. Ultimately, I want people to understand and be understood. And I want everyone to feel like there's a soft place for them to land. And I think you provide that by showing that, hey, I can be vulnerable as well. And you can, you know, your vulnerability is safe with me because I'm going to be vulnerable. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I think, again, you keep saying such great things because sometimes we have this this mindset of perfection. You know, when we look at, oh, they're so pretty or, oh, look at them. They have nothing to worry about. And, oh, I wish this. And I, I actually saw this commercial that showed this guy. I can't remember what type of car he was driving, but he he felt some type of way because he seen a guy and his family in a car and the guy in the mm-hmm. family was envying him for having the nice car. But he was envying the guy from having a family. And then mm-hmm. there was a guy on a bike that envied the guy that was in the car with his family because he didn't have a car. So it and it went on and on down to someone that could not walk. Mm-hmm. And so when you roll all that up together and and stop and really show gratitude for what you have, who you are, whose you are, as you said early, and how important how important we are. Yes. It 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 just changes your perspective of life. And even with me with calling my company BU, like I remember a time where I had no clue who I was. I was trying to emulate everybody else. But I'm like, you know, this is exhausting. Like, yes, yes. I, I don't like trying to trying to play, play pretend. I don't. It's it's exhausting. It is such a relief just to be yourself. It's like, oh man, this is what have I been doing all my life? I so you said something about being perfectionistic, and I. 
so I remember reading a quote saying that perfectionism is the worst form of self-abuse. Uh-huh. And it really is. And I struggled with that for so many years. And I so I was perfectionistic, but perfectionistic, never perfect, because that is impossible to achieve. But it felt like it felt like failure to me that I could never achieve that standard. And I, you know, that's not unique to me. I think a lot of people go through that exact same thing. But I just. I must have been in my late 20s, early 30s, and I just started. I've had to adopt phrases that would kind of minister to me. So one of the things that a good friend of mine would, we'd have these conversations and she would sometimes say things about herself, like she was a work in progress. And I remember telling her that everybody is someone else's, everybody is somebody's after picture. And so she was like, whoa, (laughs) And I realized that I needed to hear that for me. So she had this perception of herself that was um, somehow less than. And I looked at her and I admired so many things about her. And I know that it wasn't just me. So, you know, in encouraging her, I had to realize that was true for myself. So, you know, I had the things that the areas in which I wanted to grow. And I felt like my growth was either stagnant or I just you know, maybe this certain lane was just not for me, um, no matter how hard I tried. But then I had to realize that there are a lot of things that, you know, I'm so, you know, by nothing that I've done, but so incredibly blessed and fortunate. And you need to acknowledge that, Mm -hmm. you know, somebody is looking at your life thinking, man, they um, got it together. Yeah. (laughs) While you're busy looking at that person in that car. Yeah. Yeah. So, it so, is. Yeah. It's one of the things that that we we spend a lot of wasted time on is is yeah. the comparison game. Yes, it is the biggest waste of time and energy. And I, I even I tell my children this. I'm like, no one pays top dollar for a replica. People pay the big money for original. That's a whole word. (laughs) People pay top dollar for an original. Like we're not going to pay hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars for a Picasso print that I print on my Canon printer. We're just not going to do that. But it's the originality that people pay for. But we also live in a society that sometimes want to make us believe that we have to look, speak, and act like, you know, robots and everyone else when it's like, well, if you're paying this person a million dollars because they're quirky and then and they're themselves, then why should not just be me? Right. And I think the tie-in for a course communication with that is is uh I've heard and I've read um my Angelo she's, I want to say it's maybe when she did her interview with Oprah on Masterclass and she talked about words and how our words create things and how they stick on the walls. And there, if you could see the words painted, how much you can see how you are either building or tearing down. And I'm like, that is so powerful. It is so powerful. And when I think about you being a communication strategist and how important it is for people in business to convey their message clearly and strategically, it's an art to this. I mean, we already said earlier, it's an art form. So what are some of the things that you do for your clientele to help them build their brand and learn their own voice? So it's two things. First, I go back to the the importance of listening. It's really, if you have a target audience in mind, it is important to understand their language. It's important to understand what they need to hear. It's not always, sometimes people who are subject matter experts have in mind what they need to say. The audience needs to hear this. Well, they they need to understand concepts and they need to understand, um, you know, with the 
the direction of the business, um, you know, pertinent information. But you really need to tailor your message to the audience. They need to to be able to hear what you're saying and receive it. And so I've spent, I think, a lot of time in my career um, simplifying language. I, you know, a, the, a common phrase is to dumb it down. And I really don't like that phrase because it assumes that an audience is not intelligent. Many times an audience is extremely intelligent, but they're bombarded with messages and just inundated with information day to day, just doing their own jobs. And so if there's something that you need to share, make the information accessible and don't make any assumptions about what they've already been exposed to. Um, so you can be clear without insulting people's intelligence. So that's one thing you need to really listen to. Um, you just need to check the pulse of your organization. Um, and um, <laughs> I also think you need to be clear. Yeah, I, I think it's important to make sure your message, it, what you are trying to convey is not just clear from the perspective of um, whether or not people can understand your words, but can people see your intention? Can they see your heart? Do they, you know, why are you saying this? What What is it that you, is there a reason that you're sharing this with, with the audience? What do you want them to know? Is it because you want to look good? Is it because you want everyone on the same page? What, you know, people, I think, can hear your heart. Um, and I, I think that's really important for for leaders to understand. Um, yeah, in terms of finding your own voice, I think you can do a lot with common language and humor. I mean, people want presidents need to sound presidential. CEOs need to sound like they. Yes. Well, that's <laughs> that's a whole other podcast. But <laughs> yeah. But. I mean, you know, so you have to speak the language. You have to do the things that, that you need to do to um, fit into the, the role that you've been tasked um, with executing. But, you know, many times I think people mistake leadership with being kind of self-important and um, very stilted and, and kind of stodgy. And I, people just relate to, just tell me what I need to know. I mean, you know, just, you know, really, can we just relate as people? Being appropriately fun and funny and accessible, that goes a long way. I think people just really want to, they want a connection. So um, that's a lot of times when I've written for, uh, businesses or when I've blogged for a few presidents that's, you know, sharing something about yourself, sharing something that makes you human and vulnerable. Um, it goes a long way. It just, it goes a long way. People want to see you. So yes. that's typically I share. That is excellent. So it's talking about being yourself. If you could turn back time and talk to the 18 year old Bridget, what would you tell her? <laughs> like, I'm sure. Did you did you have the short at the top? Long in the I'll say, first of all, that hairstyle is not gonna age well. That's what. No. Um, I I would tell her to be less judgmental. I think. I I mean I. I used to think that I was a really, I was a peace seeker. I, I felt that I was kind to people. I tried to be, but when I look back on some of the things that I thought or some of the things that I made snap judgments about, you know, you don't know what you don't know, but you, a lot of times you can't tell an 18 year old anything. They think they know everything. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so there's so much that I have learned from that period of time about myself, about other people, about life, about extending grace to other people, about extending grace to myself. Um, I would tell her that your self-talk is so important. And if you don't think very highly of yourself, um, you, you probably 
you either covet what other people have or you don't think very highly of them either. I mean, I, I wish I would have focused more on the power of love and forgiveness because I spent a lot of years being angry about things that they're just, those are just the lumps that you get just by living. It's, you know, it's always very, I think when you're in the midst of teenage angst and you feel like my heart is the only heart that's been broken, <laughs> you know, it's like, well, no, sweetie, no, actually mm -mm. <laughs> millions of hearts every day get broken. So I think I would have, if I had known then what I know now, I would have just been more patient with the process and I would have just accepted that I had a lot to learn and that it was coming and it would be okay. And to not judge the current circumstances as the final destination. It's just a part of the journey. It is. You know, what's the funny part is like, I love, love, love working with teenagers. I, I'm not one for like the babies per se, but uh -huh. I, love, I love working with teens. And it's, it's funny because sometimes you reach that point, like you said, you wish you could go back and like tell yourself, hey, just relax. But then as you're working with teens, sometimes it's like you just want to get that good shake because it's like you said, you think you know, you know, you think you know it all in that moment, mm -hmm. but it's so much power even with someone such as yourself or others reaching back to be that sounding board for them. It may not change the narrative for them in that moment that day. Right. One day that thing that you said will come back around and it will resonate with them and help. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's definitely about reaching back and giving to those that, because I always ask my guests this question because it's not like we can go back and change the past. We just can't. But right. there's someone out there, some parent, some maybe 18 year old that's listening that I feel as though there's something that's said that will change their present and potentially their future because we live and we learn. We Absolutely. all have a story to share and to tell. And our story is, 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 definitely it's not about us it's right. to continue to grow continue to flourish it's just like um my favorite book of course of all time the bible mm -hmm. you know those stories it it was about them but it helps us even to this day absolutely every single day so our story can do the same Yes, is having the the boldness to tell it and to share that part of us. There's, so. It's not to be hidden. I, I think that's so important. I think we've and I feel like we've evolved to a degree, whereas we're a little bit more open about our truth, maybe than we than we used to be, because, you know, we had all kinds of what happens in this house stays in this house. But that and it's bad because there's trauma and yes. generational curses that get built in yes. the house when you don't share what you learned and how you came out of it. I, so I don't I don't want my history to be buried with me. I want it to bless my daughter and my sons and my granddaughter. And, I, you know, I want them to learn from my mistakes. And I know they'll have to, you know, and or not just my kids. That seems very self-focused. Anyone, anyone who reads what I say or hears what I say, I want them to take nuggets from my truth and apply it to, you know, however they can apply it to their journey to make their journey better. Yeah. 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 So you, you mentioned you have two sons and a daughter. Look, being a mother is, is work. Okay. It is work. Listen. And now she is a grandmother. Does not look like it at all. Thank you. She can be a grandmother, but she's also a grandmother now. And of course, she's a wife. So yes. all of the and an author and a entrepreneur, and she's you know a little bit of everything, right? So of course, to be a little bit of everything, you have to have 
superpowers. So one of the things I always ask to, and I'll tell, I always kind of tell this story. So I have a very dear friend of mine. She's actually, she owns a publishing company. Oh, awesome. and she's an author and she's phenomenal. And one of her things is talking about uh, tapping into your inner superwoman because mm -hmm. every every woman has this inner superwoman. So of course me and bees being my thing, she bought me this is, this is my super bee. So I keep I her on it. my desk and I keep her close. So I wanna ask you, what are some of the things that you do to tap into your inner superwoman? So I am a huge, huge Prince fan. I am the world's <laughs> biggest, I think, Prince fan. I'm a huge Prince fan. And there are times that I'm stuck. Um, I just, you know, sometimes inspiration comes and you have to train yourself as a professional. You can't just write when inspiration comes. You just have to get the job done. But there are times when it's just the words aren't flowing and they're, there's just, it's not coming. Yeah. It's just, it's stuck somewhere and it's not coming. And so I, I'll turn on Prince music and I'll dance around a bit and, you know, and it's usually songs that, you know, songs that aren't necessarily popular, but songs that I really liked and songs that I remember like studying when I was younger, like, Oh, that is just, it's the coolest thing ever. That's, you know, um, <laughs> songs that nobody else probably would think are cool, but songs that inspire me. So I, that helps me get back into kind of that creative headspace um, that I need. There's another song and I wish I could say it's all gospel, but no, it's not. Um, there is a song by Erica Badu <laughs> named <laughs> Clever. And what I love about that song is like her lyrics are, they're almost self-deprecating. So she's like, you know, my hair is never going to hang down past my shoulders. Yes, my I dress ain't cost song. nothing but $7, but I made it fly. I'm thinking that is my price point and that is my testimony. <laughs> so um, I listen to, to music that really speaks to, I guess, how I see myself. Um, and then I also, I used to have this issue with going back to read things that I had done before, because when I was really very perfectionistic, I would worry that I'll, I'll go back and I'll find mistakes. And sometimes that, that still happens. But now, more often than not, I'll go back to the inspired. Like you were really afraid, um, but you did that thing and you did it well. So you, you'll do it again. Just, you know, so I, just kind of remembering that I can be creative. I can you know, I, I can turn that thing on when I need to turn it on is helpful. But the other thing that I'll say that is kind of a spiritual thing. So when I need to tap into my kind of inner superpower, I I pray a lot because I approached I used to approach every new opportunity with this level of fear. And I don't know where it stemmed from, but it was really it was kind of deep seated fear that I would show up. You know, again, it goes back to that room where everybody's all the ideas are flying. And I'm like, I don't have anything to say. I my my consistent prayer is that my will will align with God's will and that um, I will do the things that he has for me to do. No more, no less. So if I am meant to knock it out of the park and if I am meant to create something that moves and inspires people, if that is what he has for me, then that is my superpower. He will equip me to do that. And so when I learned that a lot of this stuff, you know, you can hype yourself up, but I need to tap into a strength that is bigger than my own so that I can continue to develop and grow and deliver and move in directions that maybe I don't even see for myself. So uh, that's my fervent prayer. That is so, so good because I think, and I'm glad you went through the spectrum of things because sometimes, of course, you know, being a believer growing up and we can be, you know, church, 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 that sometimes we don't have that balance. Right. And, and that balance is important because I can go when I'm in my superwoman mode, depending on what that day brings. I do need, sometimes I need Tasha Cobbs and sometimes I need Toby 
uh sometimes i may need some trap music you know you never you never know i'm gonna send you my playlist when this is over because <laughs> sometimes you got to stand in the mirror and say girl you did that okay you yes. did that so sometimes you need beyonce you know or rihanna is you know you gotta find where you're fitting That's in right. that mold to get you to get you there but ultimately it's like you said that center grounding and having that prayer life, that relationship with God, whatever that looks like for you. Right. But to have that divine connection mm -hmm. is really where you tap into that superpower. Like that's, that, that's the nucleus of it. And Absolutely. then the rest you can kind of build upon. So right. we get ready to go to close. Okay. How can our listeners connect with you and what services do you provide? Because maybe there's someone out there that needs a communication strategist or that's rebranding their business and needs to take advantage of BNL communications. Can you tell the people how they can contact you and what services you offer so that they know that they need you? Absolutely. Thank you for this opportunity. So you can connect with me um, via my website. It is, I'll, I'll give that URL. It is beinglcoms.com. So C-O-M-M-S dot C-O-M. Bridget Nicole Locke coms.com. Um, on, on my website, there is a form um, that you can fill out to connect with me. Um, if you need some of the services that I offer and I will respond uh, within 24 hours, the services that I offer, um, communication strategies. So if you are, um, a, a business owner or even an individual looking to, um, rebrand, looking to write copy for your blog, um, long form articles, if you are looking to figure out a communication strategy for launching a new product um, or service, um, if you want some some thoughts about a good social media strategy, um, that's something else that that I offer. But I've found that many times people in business, um, you either love to write or you really don't like to write at all. <laughs> um, <laughs> I happen to be one who loves to write, and so. Um, and not just things that need to be written, but even communications as they already, um, if they already exist, ways to uh, create strategy around deploying some of those messages. Um, I'm your girl. So um, I know you do what speeches. Yes, I'm a speech writer. So is it I'm not. So I always have to be careful when I uh, I want to specify I'm not a traditional event planner, but I engage in a lot of event scripting. So I do a lot of long form speeches, but also a run of show for events. Many times people don't think about the communication strategy for an event that they're planning, but I um, I'm a good resource for that as well. And resumes. I professional. Yes. Like pro resumes. Yes. Right. So I have assisted a few people with uh, rebranding um, that really their professional brand. So we think about things that are um, communicated on LinkedIn, their resumes um, might have a CV that you, that you need um, some, some polish um, on. So I've engaged in, in a few of those conversations um, and a few of those projects with some people as well. Are you doing any ghost writing right now? I, yeah, well, I wouldn't tell you. Uh -huh. <laughs> good answer, good answer. See what good. I did there? Right, um, good answer. Yes. But I know it is something that she has done before, guys. Yes. So I put her, her website is on there, bnlcoms.com. Yes. Yeah, I got it. okay. Because look, I, I looked it up to make sure I had it. <laughs> so, guys, I want to thank you so much to my amazing friend, Miss Bridget Live, for joining me today on BU Live. In case you guys could not tell, Bridget is not one that likes to look, she prefers the written art versus showing her beautiful face. So I appreciate her jumping out of the comfort zone, sharing her journey in communication, talking about her awesome business and how she took the leap of faith 
to leave her corporate career to start her own. There are so many people out there right now that I'm sure hearing your story encouraged them because it is one thing to have a gift and a talent and it's another thing to either use it or to bury it. And you chose to use your talent and gifts. And I pray many, many blessings to all your future endeavors. And I know that, look, we're going to see BNL Communications up in bright lights one day because you are just that amazing. So, guys, if you are looking for a communication strategist, Bridget is the one that you need to utilize. She listens to your vision. She articulates your dreams in such a way that it can definitely grow you and your business. So, guys, I just want to thank you again, Bridget, for joining today Thank and so tuning much. in to BU Live. And of course, always the goal of BU Live is to provide thought-provoking relative, relative information in the process of being you. But also remember, like, share, subscribe, BU by Mika J on Facebook, Instagram, and any other platform you can think about. And then also check me out at BU by If you're looking for a life coach or a small business consultant, I'm your girl. Thank you guys again for tuning in. Appreciate you so much and enjoy the rest of your evening. Thank you.